This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello all. Welcome to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Podcast focusing on test cricket by Armchair Critics of the Game. I'm your host Ajit. We have a very eventful week uh, in the IPL as well as a belated and a very awaited return to test cricket for us test match fans. To unpack this week and also maybe take a look at some very uh, important events related to South African cricket off the cricketing field. We have a special guest M4 from Guerrilla Cricket South Africa. Hello M4, welcome to the podcast. Hi Ajit, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure actually. I mean I've been sort of meaning to get you involved and somehow for one reason or the other it keeps getting postponed I'll own up to that but uh, as they say you you are here belatedly but I'm sure you'll make it count <laughs> Yes no no problem Great to hear and uh, before we begin as is my customary mm-hmm. question to every one of my guests why cricket what's brought you to cricket and what is keeping you there What's why cricket was brought me to cricket was keeping me there. Um, so I grew up watching the game. I played a little bit uh, in school, um, but I was a fan of watching the game because all the tactics and the strategies, um, and especially the longer formats, they, they they give you a lot more to think about in terms of captains wanting to take wickets, how you're going to score runs on different pitches, and everything else. So I fell in love with the game as a youngster, as a black young black South African in SA. um not a lot of opportunities to play the game but i did manage to play a bit um basketball took over halfway through because that's i think is my first is my first love but love the game of cricket got an opportunity to do broadcast on cricket and 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 learn a little bit more through guerrilla cricket saka which was a which was a good opportunity for me to kind of get into the other side of the game that i love so much cuz i'm i'm all into tactics i i'm into how captains play how captains can 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 change the game how the game moves um cuz cricket's a very fascinating game it ebbs and flows it has its own characteristics um and no two games are the same which makes it all the more intriguing it 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 makes me think it's one of the sports that will make me think a lot more um then others i think if i look at other sports there's always similar patterns like football and basketball but cricket is always something different that you can try and something and so it's a thinking man's game and i love it that's why i i'm still there um i can watch any game of cricket and try to figure out what's going on who's playing and i was watching fair break this week and it was a really great opportunity and a great contest and you could see like how the captains were adapting to the increased quality in the squads as well as the 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 level of of the high quality pitches that Dubai actually produced the really good pitches got some really high score scores in that so that's how I'm always in in the game it's that but guerrilla cricket south africa allows me an opportunity to bring the game to a lot of people around the world so that's that's why I'm there that's why I'm still here i agree when we hear uh, you and the rest of the guerrilla cricket south africa team we are very happy because you bring the real color of cricket as well it's it's a bit more uh, colorful and a bit more real than some other commentary streams out there mm. let me put it like that right the jingles the occasional yes. swear word and mm. um, makes you guys more closer to us it's almost like me discussing cricket with a few friends but a bit more formal a bit more organized yes. right mm. 
Yeah, we, we have to be more corporate. We've had to be more corporate over the past couple of years. Um, that's why, obviously, you'll hear us call ourselves One World Sports Radio, which is our corporate side when we deal with uh, cricket sack and everything else. But we've tried to keep the element of it's a discussion. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a traditional radio commentary. It's more of a discussion with a little bit of jokes and lightheartedness. And we try to keep that going because it's, 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 it's in essence what, what I think a lot of people might be wanting. Indeed, it also fills up a specific niche for me. As I said, those of us mm. who either are uh, sort of sick of the formality of certain cricket commentary and frivol- frivolity of certain other cricket commentators, this this finds the niche uh, mm. for those of us who just think, oh mm. God, this is way too formal. Oh God, this is way too uh, light. You know, this, this fits right in between, but there's mm. enough formality, but the lightness is still there. So I wish you and everyone uh, working at Gorilla Cricket South Africa, uh, you know, uh, great success in the coming days. Mm. You've been doing a great job. Yes. Thank you. We've got the India tour coming up as well as the um, English tour. So we will be, we'll be there doing our thing again soon. Absolutely. Wonderful. Wonderful to hear. Now, um, coming to the events on the cricketing field, we are very belatedly mm-hmm. uh, able to see a test match start. So today was the first day of this test. Rather, today was the second day of the test because in the first day of the test, Sri Lanka sort of ended the day with taking the honours because uh, Angelo Matthews hit 100 and today they were able to extend it to 397, which is a very, very realistic and a very credible score when it comes to, you know, Asian conditions. And Angelo Matthews was really mm. unlucky, <laughs> 199, right? And uh, last <laughs> man out, that was that was very unfortunate. I haven't yet been able to catch the highlights of it, but... I think uh, sort of bittersweet because I want this guy to succeed. I'm a big fan of him. And whenever he's injured or whenever he can't play, I feel like Sri Lankan cricket is much better served with this uh, person, uh, senior statesman mm. in the team, right? 94 tests and a lot of runs. Still a decent average. I mean, he's not as good as we all hoped he could be at some point in time with, uh, you know, Sangakkara and Javardhana retiring, but he's still there. Same for Chandimal, same for... Kusal Mendes, some underperformers who need to step up. Mm. Most of them did. And Bangladesh will be a bit disappointed because they held control for most part of the first Sri Lankan innings. But somehow Sri Lanka dug in. So the, if you see the scoring rate of 2.6, 2.59, it's pretty obvious that Bangladesh didn't cede the control. It was not like the runs were flowing all the time. But really well done to Sri Lanka, do you think? Look, I think it was tough. I think it's always tough, especially playing in Bangladesh, to put the runs down, um, especially with the way Bangladesh's bowling attack is, is set up to play at home. Um, so 399 in the first innings is, is, is a good enough score to put pressure on, on, on Bangladesh. Remember, Bangladesh did struggle against the West Indies as well um, earlier on. It's a young Bangladeshi side, so you've got to give them time to settle and get their, line, get their things in. Um, obviously, having watched them here in South Africa, you felt that this was a team in transition. And you speak about Angelo Matthews' importance to Sri Lanka. The importance of a Shakib Alassane to this Bangladeshi side is, is just as equally important. And I think Bangladesh was struggling with the balance of the side, but I think they were much better balanced here at home. I just feel as though sometimes, and this is what cricket gives you, you'll get somebody like an Angelo Matthews who's going to give you an innings that will effectively take the game out 
away from you a little bit. It's not all the way away. And as you say, they've gotten the, they've had control throughout, but they just couldn't get Angela Matthews out. And it becomes very frustrating because obviously he is more experienced and you can see all the value of an all-rounder in that innings because obviously he was the anchor that, that anchored that side. And it's what Sri Lanka have been missing over the past two years. So really happy for Angelo. Stupid shot, but to get yourself out, but we, we understand. Um, it was premeditated, as he says, because obviously a double century is still a beautiful thing. And it's also psychological, but I would have loved for them to get over 400 because that's a massive psychological barrier in test cricket. But with the way in which um, you, the subcontinent play has been and the way in which batting has been over the past couple of years in test cricket, 399 is a good first inning score. And it's going to be interesting to see how Sri Lanka and their spinners come through um, to see if they can't effectively win the game for themselves. So essentially right now, Bangladesh, is, Bangladesh need to try and bat themselves back into the game and, bat, and Sri Lanka have to try and take the game away. And so that's the question I have about Sri Lanka. Can they do that? Um, yes, maybe conditions will be in their favor because they are similar to what they get in Sri Lanka. But that's my question for the next three days of this test match. It's going a little bit slowly for my liking, but I do hope, um, that it, it will, it, it should break out, break away tomorrow, depending if, if, if Bangladesh lose some early wickets tomorrow, it could become a, a, a Sri Lanka affair. But we, now you just need to see the Tigers fight back. Absolutely. At least they've made a very good start because this is also a depleted Sri Lankan bowling lineup. There is no Chamira, there's no mm. Kumara, right? And <clears throat> you just yeah. have two good spinners in Embuldenia and Mendes who are more steady. Embuldenia mm. is the one who sort of, Produces the pressure in the wickets. He's the guy. Right? And you have mm. Vishwa Fernando and Asita Fernando. Vishwa Fernando for me can be a good strike bowler, but Asita I don't know enough about. So at least Bangladesh have won the initial battle here. 76 for no loss, scoring at four runs and over in the last session. So at least they have made the right start. And as you say, the inclusion of Shakib Hasan already showed when he took the 3-4 and maintained pressure from one end so that mm. Naeem Hasan could get a 6-4 from the other. Right? Because... Naeem is the, let's say, less experienced and Taijul. Yes. So, between Taijul and Shakib, they kept one end tight. So, this fantastic bowling, you can see Shakib 39 overs, uh, run rate of 1.5. Mm. That's fantastic. And that basically also means, you know, in the third innings, it might not be that easy again because the pitch would have started breaking up for Sri Lanka to score all the runs. So, they would be targeting mm. like a 100-run lead if they can manage it. And they have the time and the, let's say, the attack to try and get there. So, it'll all be the first session for me, the third day. Mm. What do you say? Look, I think it, it's going to come down to that. I agree with you. I think it's going to come down to tomorrow to see who is going to make a play. If Bangladesh make a play, we could be leading up to a draw. If, um, if Sri Lanka make a play, um, it could be leading to Sri Lanka actually winning the game. And um, the question, obviously, is having looked at the having looked at, the, at both teams, um, You'd want a little bit more from Embuldenia as well as Mendes. Obviously, Mendes is likely new into, into international cricket, but you need less of Embuldenia to be the guy who breaks the game open for them. Uh, I'm surprised that the, the Bangladesh bowled a lot of overs off scene uh, with Shroful and Khalid. I thought maybe they would have uh, gone directly for spin, similar to what is happening in South Africa. South Africa just went, the moment they realized nothing's happening with the new ball, you just give it to your spinners and they've got a third spinner in, in, in Shakib. And you just try and bowl as many overs of those three as possible. So that was one thing I would have disagreed with Mominal. Um, but yeah, I think it, tomorrow is a big day for, for this game. Um, it's either it's going to end up in a draw 
obviously all three will always be possible throughout, but most likely if, if Bangladesh fight back, it'll end in a draw, unless if we get some final day heroics. Outside of that, Sri Lanka feel like they're the only team in the driver's seat. They just need to push on a little bit more and try to get as many wickets. But it feels like it's a flat, it's a flat surface. Um, it's just, yeah, you just want a result here. Yep, I, I agree with you there as well. One thing I would only say, which is slightly different from what you've been opining, is I wouldn't write Bangladesh out of the game yet. Even if they get to, let's say, 50 runs mm. of where Sri Lanka are, by the, by the time their first innings ends. The third innings could be a very crucial one because uh, the rest mm. of the batters of Sri Lanka will have to stand up. Their captain usually does very well in the second innings. So it remains to be seen. All I'm saying is this test match is set up with a lot of possibility and the next day or so will really mm. let me know or let us all know if it's going to come through or not. Now, mm. going to the IPL. Well, I mean, it was a anodyne week, but I would like to understand how much of the IPL are you following for? Um, I'm following as much as I can here and there, following the results, seeing some of the games. It's in a so like the, the 4 p.m. Uh, well, the starts at 4 p.m. European Central Time, um, or, or the IPL starts then. So I'm like mostly at work, but I do like follow it on, on quick info or be able to watch it when I get home. Um, I obviously watch the South Africans, I don't have a team in the fight. If you ask me what team I support, I'd say the Punjab Kings, largely because I've always supported the Punjab Kings from back in those days um but right now i just follow the south african so if a south african is playing like i'm happy that kakis is actually taking wickets in this in this in this one and nokia looks back because you kind of need we kind of need him um we've watched the whole devil brevis show um tristan Stubbs is now gonna get a little bit of a chance aiden markram is showing us that he's more of a t20 batter a player uh recently than 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 a longer format player um, David Miller is just shutting up all the naysayers. So that's that's who I essentially follow in the IPL, the Dwayne Petoris, all those all those guys who are getting chances here and there uh, throughout this tournament. Yep. And also from a fringe player's perspective, you sort of jumped one of my questions. That was going to be people like Janssen mm. and Miller. Miller is probably right in mm. right in center. But also, how are you guys uh, from South Africa looking at Bravis? And other players who could, in potential, uh, be around the fringes of a South African team, Wayne Pretorius, for example, um, have they done enough? No. So um, the one guy in the fringe that you named, Wayne Pretorius, I thought he should have actually played at the last World Cup. I thought South Africa's balance was off. I felt Wayne is a much better batter, and I think we've seen that in this tournament a little bit in bits, fits, and spurts. I think he's a much better batter, and he should be batting at number six for the Proteus, similar to. You know, when Gujarat Titans have pushed up Pandya from six to four, Dwayne Pretorius has that ability to be a destructive batter if you push him up to four. Not as not a great batter as Hadik Pandya is, but I've watched him bat at four across the Mzansi Super League uh, for a couple of games and he did quite well. So I do think at six, it makes sense for the balance of the side and with Dwayne as your sixth bowler, essentially, because the biggest problem with South Africa is going to match with five bowlers um, at the last World Cup win with five. And if one of your bowlers goes off, you reliant on Aiden Markham, who's done better than we expected, but I wouldn't want to rely on him a lot. So that's one of the key issues. And I've always been, Dwayne Pretorius needs to be your number six in that side because he's a really good batter. If not six, seven, because he can all hold his own with the ball. Diego Brevis, Tristan Stubbs, I think there's, there's the, I think a lot of people want to see them in the setup, um, but I think it's a little bit too early. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of exposing because 
the IPL is a subset of what real life is or what, or what a South African scene is. There's many other people in South Africa who could have been given an opportunity to play in the IPL, but were never given, were never picked up. And so Deva Brevis is, yes, he's the best under-19 player in the world. So he needs to be given an opportunity. Um, I do think maybe do I do think it might this next this coming World Cup might not be where his opportunity will be. I do think he might be given an opportunity maybe 2023 after he's had played some domestic cricket here in South Africa. He doesn't need to play domestic cricket in South Africa, by the way. It's just I feel as though that's where the selectors might be going to try and protect Diervolt from bringing him in because the problem with cricket is when he comes in and he doesn't succeed, you might find yourself in a situation where where it's going to take a very long time for him to actually get his his feet. He's done well in the IPL. He's done well against some quality bowlers. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's there, similar to like a Quinton de Kock as just to carry drinks. But I wouldn't be I wouldn't want him to necessarily play. I want him in the setup. I want him to see maybe if there are games where you prepare for the World Cup later on in the year where you think you want to try, then maybe try it. But I do think there are other people I'd like for us to try before we even try Devil Bears, because where is he going to fit? You've got Timber, you've got Quinton, you've got Aiden, you've got David Miller, you've got Rassi. That top five's already solidified. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, guys like Hannah Clausen, who aren't at the World Cup, are much uh, had really great seasons domestically in South Africa, who need an opportunity. There's a guy named Sponello Makanya, who I would want to come in. He had a really great 50-over uh, tournament here in South Africa, batted at number number five and six in the lower order and was really destructive. Even though the Titans lost that final, uh, he was a, he was a guy I stood up and I was like, Oh, and I took notice. Um, and so there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things in there because we've got so many openings. You also got the Anaman Malad, who's not even at the IPL. Uh-huh. Um, and so where does, where does Brevis and Stubbs fit into all of this? Um, and so that's the question. I love Tristan Stubbs. I think he gives South African all round option. He's a great number six. Um, I think he's more closer than Brevis to actually getting a game because of that balance issue I've mentioned before. So it's a, it, well, the, the, the squad's actually coming out later this week for the India tour. So we'll see where the selectors are thinking in terms of their, their thinking. But when Stubbs played in Zimbabwe, he wasn't the best player on that tour. Mm-hmm. Reza Hendricks put his hand up. Hannah Klaassen put his hand up. Guys who were at the World Cup last year. Um, there's a guy named Lissi Bangwepo who plays for the Warriors. He scored a hundred in a T20 game, um, wow. opening the batting with Riza Hendricks against the Zimbabwe. So yes, it wasn't it wasn't a, a full strength Zimbabwe inside, but it was still some quality opposition that the Zimbabwe that held there. And Sekandaraza played with a couple of other guys who were playing there as well who play for Zimbabwe normally. So it's it, it's it's like the selectors have a hard job for South Africa because people are putting their hands up. Vian Luba, for instance, he's got he's the one guy who holds the record for the highest strike rate in the Mark Boucher era in T20s, only played two games for South Africa, strike rate of 160, batting in the middle lower order. He's also a handy off-spinner, and his off-spin actually did quite well in the last domestic season. So um, the guys like that would be wanting to get opportunities, but because they don't get IPL contracts, everyone's focusing on the guys in the IPL like Brevis and, and Stubbs. And like the other question is, how does, how does a guy like Corbin Bosch get a contract when he had, wasn't one of the best bowlers left in South Africa. So it's just a, a situation where I think in South Africa, you've got to weigh up the fact of the IPL and guys having some really good agents who can get guys into the IPL over and above the guys playing in South Africa. So 
it's going to be very tough to see how a Brevis gets fit in, how a Stubbs gets fit in. Over and above the guys who have always been there. Hanno Klaassen is Mark Boucher's favorite. We know that. We see it. Because he gives Mark Boucher what he wants. He follows instructions. He does what he needs to do. And he's destructive. There's also guys like Carl Verena who we'd like to see mm-hmm. um, in, in, in particular. Uh, there's guys like Ryan Rickleton mm-hmm. who are good enough white ball players who are in the setup right now. So there's a lot of, 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 of players um, that need an opportunity over and above Devil Brevis putting. So it's a good thing for Safka to have. It's a good conundrum. It's just, oh man, it's a massive headache. Massive, massive headache. I agree with you. Look, you also gave us a nice uh, sort of a preview of the talent that's available with the South African cricket mm. currently. And thanks for that. And for me, I understand what you do at the IPL should have no bearing at where your, let's say, your uh, national team selection and other things come into picture. But of course, it's not that black and white. It isn't because, for instance, right, if, if Diego Brevis is hitting Kakisura Bada in the IPL for sixes or Anuf Nokia for sixes, then there's, a, there's an argument to say this kid's ready because he's hitting international stars away. Mm-hmm. But if, let's say, he's, 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 he's dominating some mid-level Indian bowlers, then you'd have to question as to whether where the IPL sits. So it makes the headache a little bit bigger. Um, but I know that South Africa doesn't like to look at international tournaments like county cricket or even, even the IPL to make selections. They want people to perform here in South Africa. So it makes it a lot harder. But Devil Brevis has performed in South Africa. Didn't have a great start when he came back from the World Cup for the Titans, but he showed glimpses. And so the question is, are those glimpses enough to bring him into the side in an, in an environment where, guy, where the guys who are currently who are in the World Cup squad are performing? You know, so that's the, that's the question. Because like, we've got like 10 batters and Diego Brevis is probably number 11. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting perspective. That's a very interesting perspective. All right. In any case, if you were to look at the results from the last week or so, most of the games were sort of uh, along expected lines, but with mm. Punjab Kings, your team, or your one of your favorites, beating RCB, they've made it a bit tough for RCB because RCB have only one game in hand and they have not mm. performed as well as they would have because they also lost a lot of net run rate points, right? Because they lost yes. 50 odd runs. That was a big blow. But outside of that, I think Delhi, who kept their hopes alive with a very competent chase uh, with uh, Rajasthan Royals earlier, Today, they don't seem to have done much uh, because yeah, at least today's game, they seem to have fallen behind after a very strong start. So at one point in time, if you look at today's game with Punjab Kings and Delhi um, Capitals, for me, this is a knockout. Mm. I don't have a horse in this race either. My horse is a sort of a weird one called RCB, and uh, which also tells you probably I'm a cricket tragic. right? But in <laughs> any case, coming back to this game, uh, the current game, look, Delhi Capital started very strongly, but suddenly they seem to have faded towards the end. Some of the batting choices, some of the promotions didn't make sense to me, but their middle order failed, right? So, Lalit Yadav had a start mm. but couldn't go on. Rishabh Pant and Roman Powell failed. That meant all the pressure mm. was on Mitchell Marsh, who did credibly, mm. must say, but there was nobody from the other end. Even Aksar Patel, who took up 20 balls, couldn't really get going even towards the end. So, that basically mm. meant they have finished under par 159. But one thing to remember, these pitches are sort of slowly taking somewhere, right? So that yes. means there is some, uh, there is something to be had and you have a couple of good bowlers. Enric Norke slowly finding his way. Khalil Ahmed is mm. there or thereabouts. And what I'm really looking forward to, the wrist spinner. 
kuldeep yadav and the finger spinner aksar patel oh. right so the combination of these two do you think they have enough on board to keep this pbks uh, lineup down look i think that uh, pbk lineup um is they're getting better i think they've they've done well that 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 win um during uh, last week was was really good um but obviously you've got livingston you've got besto um you've got rajapaksa who i think is 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 a underrated batter in the top order it just comes down to the bowling as you said for 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 dc i think akshar uh, and um kuldeep yadav hold all the keys to this innings um similar to how uh dc came through uh delhi batted you know you can't stop the game um at one point i think there were 100 and 112 uh, off the 13 and i thought maybe 160 170 was on the card just they got to 150 159 um but i thought they could they could push away but that that those rovman powell that rovman powell wicket uh, kind of set them back rishabh pant uh, wicket as well um not 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 working out for them so uh you know with t20 it ebbs and flows wickets do come the question is with besto and shikadaw and shikadaw is having the tournament of one of his better tournaments i've ever seen throughout the um, the ipl his ipl career um johnny besto is finding some form um and obviously you've got the livingston waiting to take the game away in this in this for delhi if they want to win this game you need to take you need to get that that top order out very cheaply then you find yourself in 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 some really good uh in a really good space so it's going to come down to that um to necessarily the first turnovers not necessarily the power play but the first turnovers because you got to see what the spinners are going to give you um so that's it's, it's as you said the knockout you know lose you find yourself out um completely um and delhi need to win cuz i think 16 points is the is the is the target for me uh for all those mm-hmm. teams around there i think it's rcb delhi kkr and punjab i think kkr is out because they've only got one game and they can get to 14 mm-hmm. but if delhi can win these next two they go to 16 rcb playing gujarat titans who already qualified in the number one team that's and that could be a nice win for them they go to 16 um and then obviously punjab's got delhi and sunrisers so if they whoever wins this game between these two delhi and uh, and punjab kings have probably an inside track into making it into the 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 playoffs um obviously they need help from the gujarat titans um but yeah it, it's going to be a i think i think it's going to go down to the last over um i honestly the way way this way t20 cricket works is that you'll just lose wickets in a clump and all of a sudden you, you find yourself you know in, in trouble let's see let's see how it uh, flows for now they have made a very steady start johnny bestos been mm. to open his big shoulders out they are 21 for no loss in the third over now uh, if you were to go to look at some of the cricketing news off the cricketing field thorp who suddenly been uh, seriously taken ill he was appointed uh, afghanistan head coach mm. suddenly we see he's taken seriously ill and now is in the hospital and nobody's ready to talk about it so i think the family deserves the peace and the privacy no doubt but mm. uh, it's it's weird times these days we heard one pass away we heard a couple of big names in australian cricket pass mm. away and now we hear andrew simmons passing away and now suddenly you also hear thorpe is hospitalized in a serious condition Ryan Campbell then current Netherlands coach was also you mm. know hospitalized what's happening for there's some hex somebody's thrown into cricket coaching staff or ex cricketer no i don't think so i don't think so i think we're coming into a, i think every generation has this i think the previous generations saw the 
their elderly uh, sports people, well, not not elderly, but they they just formerly retired sports people, 10, 15 years out the game, starting to pass away. I think it, 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 it's, it's a sad part of life. You know, sometimes when God calls you home, he calls you home. There's, there's nothing necessarily anything that that, that happens um and it's it's just sad and and the thing about these things that i'd, I'd say and it's not a hex or anything it's just they happen in it in, in in like groups so i remember like they happen in groups and then like you know warn and 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 and, and simmer go together and then guys will will, will do the same but it, the, it it's it's just one of those it's just one of those horrible situations both situations are horrible Shane Warne's one very horrible way to die uh, and unexpected Simmons unexpected so too with Thorpe going to go going to hospital all unexpected but it's 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 life and it's life meeting cricket and we now remember these people and we're wondering them the only sad thing for me about and I'll talk about Andrew Simons now is that I don't think he ever got the recognition that he got as a player to me, Andrew Simons was the one player coming out of Australia that looked like me. So I was immediately drawn to <laughs> this man who is brown and looks like me and has dreadlocks and he's playing cricket at the highest level. And he's not just there just because, no, he's there because he's, he's actually that good. And he was such a, a, a lovely character, very lovely, but always smiling on the field. Um, one of the best fielders you could ever find. Um, and also an incredible batter as well. Um, it's, a, it's a real tragic loss. Um, but it isn't, I wouldn't say it's a hex. I just think it's, it's just one of those situations where I think the cricketing world just needs to look back at their past heroes and, and give them their flowers before they're gone. Like, you know, honor, honor those who have gone like 10, 15 years ago. Um, before it's too late, because you don't know, and especially in this COVID world and this world post COVID, um, you know things happen. You know, and you don't want to be stuck in a situation where I feel like we. I feel we didn't honor Andrew Simons. I know he wouldn't have wanted it, but it would have been really lovely for people to say, "You were the reason why I played cricket," or "This is why you, you were so great for us, for Queensland, for 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 wherever you played." And, and we're honoring you because man's a World Cup winner, multiple World Cup winner. Um, he was part, he was an important part of that Australian side that dominated Test cricket for a decade, mm-hmm. for over a decade. Um, and yeah, like, I, 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 it's, it's really sad. It was really saddening to hear, um, to hear that he passed, but what a champion. Honestly, he was a champion player. No, absolutely. He was a real bruiser of a, player as well as an as an individual it comes across like that you know he's responsible for some of the more uh, interesting stories in modern cricketing times so be <laughs> it coming to practice drunk uh, going fishing missing a team meeting and say screw you and going fishing right and um, <laughs> there are some wild stories uh, with him when he was part of the ipl the initial days of ipl when he was playing for mumbai there was a young leg spinner called yuzvendra chahal who was with the mumbai team and this guy is like a stripling. He's like a thin stick in front of Andrew Simmons, right? So mm. apparently he had left him taped up to the balcony grill overnight. Oh. So there are some fun stories. But look, he comes from a different era where uh, mm. men like to be men, if I may say in these words. And uh, sometimes you have to take the rough with the smooth. That's what it meant. But he had to get adjusted to a team that was evolving, was more... 
modern in its outlook right and to the end i think he remained the same not a man um ricky ponting in one of the bbl commentary stints reminds us of a story he, he said apparently andrew simmons and him were together slated to come in for commentary for one of the bbl games so mm. simmons was speaking to him one night before and uh, he said shall we turn up like 5 uh, to 8 minutes before the recording begins and uh, ricky ponting smiled at him and said no you have to come an hour early because they'll first make your face up then they'll fix the mic and, uh, mic to you and get you a couple of uh, you know uh, practice recordings and see if everything goes fine then we go on air right he's still that old school guy who says i'm going to come and it's all going to be fine right so these small things but when you look at his achievements on the field right averaging 14 mm. in every format of the international cricket is played well he's averaging a smidger under uh, 14 uh, odi cricket but come on right that's that's something and as you said he was a part of this world champion australian team in tests twice world cup mm. winner right and maybe he would have suited the t20 revolution much better as they say if t20 revolution had begun 10 years before uh, maybe he he would have been a star he would have been a pollard like star Mm. he turned down a chance to play for england and chose to play for australia because that probably suited his mentality and his mindset more right and he proved himself 26 tests but you know there were 200s there were fifers in every format of the game as well uh, when you look at all that this is a this is a fulfilled cricketer there's always you can say he could have done more right but just looking at his his fielding what he brought to the field whether he was batting bowling whatever right unbelievable mm. and i think he lived the rest of his life the same way and sometimes they say there's only enough fuel you bring with you and when you burn very brightly the fuel gets over very quickly maybe right he was maybe one of those people not meant for a very long time but a very good time no yeah well he left a mark and i think that's 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 why that's what's important i think he lived a, a full life yeah it's not one of those situations where you like he's gone to sunyes his family may and his friends may say so but he 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 lived a full life he enjoyed life to the fullest mhm and yeah we wish uh, all his friends and family mm. and his former teammates uh, some strength there's these are tough times i understand so people like gilchrist ponting who played with uh, the likes of these players darren lehman all of these martin right Mm. they would be feeling the pinch because uh, not so long ago they lost warren and suddenly now andrew simmons has left the stage it's it's a bit tough i believe so uh, we hope you know they hang in there it's a, a couple of tough days couple of tough weeks but they'll get through it surely right moving on if you were to take a look at uh, well we were talking of uh, ran campbell uh, he's still the head coach of netherlands but uh, in the interim ran cook has been appointed as the interim coach so that uh, there are a couple of tough international assignments coming up for the netherlands which includes tours of pakistan and west indies to netherlands so uh, ran cook will oversee these tours so we really hope you know he gets uh, he gets going quickly because netherlands team have not been doing well in the last couple of uh, tournaments they've played and they need to pull their socks up otherwise it's not going to be a good viewing i plan to go and catch at least one of the odis if possible mm. time permitting let's see how that goes now the other news well the brendan uh, mccallum appointment as the england uh, test team coach what are your thoughts on that uh like i think it's brave it's out of left field um it's 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 typical with the way england have been thinking about cricket of the past 5 6 years since Trevor Bayliss joined um they they've become a lot more braver 
and a lot more aggressive. And even in this coaching high, they were very aggressive. They could have gone um, very conservative as we've normally known them. Um, but I do think they want to play a certain aggressive band of cricket across the formats, a very attacking brand of cricket, similar to the styles of, of, of the captain Ben Stokes. Ben Stokes is very aggressive when he comes to uh, when he comes in and test cricket, he is a game changer. He is a momentum shifter. And why not have someone who's going to allow him uh, to be that game changer, momentum shifter with the burden of captaincy like, 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 like Brendan McCullum? I think it kind of works because imagine having a conservative coach with an attack-minded and aggressive cricketer like Ben Stokes. It may not have worked. And so I, th- I hope it works for them. But I do think England have possibly made the right choice. It's very brave, but I think it's aligning captain and coach together in terms of their styles of playing and where they play. England are gonna are gonna be the go for it team. They're gonna try and go for the jugular all the time, even though when it might not be the best moment. But I think it's it. They, I think they're seeing something that that could go because a session, an hour um, of aggressive cricket could change the game, the momentum of a series. And I think having those two at the helm to allow the players and this new group of English cricketers who are going to be coming through who are more limited overs leaning than, than Red Bull leaning um, to come through. Because England have, are going to struggle, have struggled from a batting perspective. So maybe a shift in fortunes as well as a shift in, in strategy could bring them that luck. Absolutely. In terms of... Uh... In terms of temperament, I think you're right. They found the right man to be the next test coach, to, you know, um, sort of be the backroom man for uh, Ben Stokes. But Mm. what I find interesting is he's only been appointed as a test team coach. What does it mean for the one-day teams, do you think? And a limited host teams? Look, I think England have always been the one team. They've spoken about splitting the roles. They thought it was a little bit too much. Um, And so, well, for for, for, for to have one, one, one person covering all so they're going to probably have someone else at the helm i know we all associate um brendan mccullum as a white ball player but in if reports suggest his interview for the red ball formats blew them out the water so he's not going to get both jobs but there's going to be someone else they look at the australian women's uh uh, women's national team coach mott um, who I, I, I don't know much about, but the way the Australian women are playing their cricket right now, they're very dominant. Um, so it's, a, it's, it, it, it's not going to be your traditional pick. If, if you're an English fan listening to this, hoping you're going to get a traditional pick, you might get someone from left field who's going to continue with that style of aggressive batting and aggressive cricket um, because that's, where, that's who England are. They play that high-tempo aggressive cricket. They don't care about losing wickets, what their main aim is to try and put the opposition under as much pressure at the top as possible. Mm-hmm. But the question is, would Matthew Mott be able to get away from Australia? The way he's been doing for their women's team, if I were to be an executive in Cricket Australia, there's no way I would be letting him go. But uh, let's see. That's oh, it's going to come down to the money and the exposure. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, and and and... Because if you think about a, a name like Matthew Mott, it's not a well-known name in men's cricket circles. So if his career ambition is to take that step up into the men's game, this is the best way. This is the, the perfect opportunity. Mm-hmm. Let's see. But I have another theory here. Mm-hmm. Maybe the seat is being vacated or kept vacant for a certain Owen Morgan, who probably behind the scenes is being encouraged to stop being a player and start being like an associate coach or 
assistant coach or even a full time coach for the england one day team what is brought to the england limited or setup is very good but he himself is no longer as good a player as he once was do you think this could mm. be an option yes yes 100% 100% um i think i think maybe that's that's where um everyone's trying to go towards and it would i wouldn't be surprised if that happens even if they made him like a player coach i've never seen a player coach in cricket um at international level mm-hmm. but it is mm-hmm. possible um but then but then to bring in someone like Matthew Mott for like 2 years is not is not going to be fair on him so you're going to have to have someone interim so yeah you know maybe a a Paul Collingwood for 2 year or 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 just you know push on Morgan out of out, uh, into retirement and 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 give him and give him the the reins could make sense you know paul collingwood as mm. the full time uh, limited overs coach with wayne uh, morgan is assistant could work let's see uh, some mm. interesting uh, days but i think robkey has gotten off on the right foot as far as his you know managing director role is concerned he's sort of made a couple of good appointments and we hear the right mm. things when he talks let's see how that goes now to one of the important topics that i wanted your opinions on the sjn hearings that uh, well went through for a while with south african cricket and there were some harsh things we heard about from some of the players for me at least who are very well respected worldwide graham smith mark boucher right all of these people even abd villiers and uh, then we hear recently that uh, the commission cleared graham smith and now with some people like uh, enoch kenque and also uh, paul adams some other people also deciding to not testify it looks like the case against boucher has also fallen apart mm. so from your perspective can you give us a little bit more details about the story and what you see from within the let's say closer to the system let me put it like that <laughs> look at um so the sjn hearings were the social justice and nation building hearings and it afforded cricketers of all races um to come and said their stories about um injustices they've experienced as a result of cricket um and so people did come forward um and it it and and the one problem about the media coverage was that obviously covered the the main protagonists the, the guys we know and and thing but there were many other stories like certain franchises treating people badly certain former coaches treating players badly um and 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 certain re- and certain development failings of cricket south africa in terms of growing the game building the game there were a lot covered covered women's cricket and 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 the like and black cricket as well um but there was obviously paul adams came forward to speak about how he was treated in the team um there was obviously statements uh, he made a statement uh, he made an initial statement before he made a written statement before he he did his oral statement but that written statement was done twice so he corrected his written statement in the first statement he mentioned that in the team they would call him a, a word that i'm not going to say um at fines meetings um and he mentioned that in that team some of the players who were in that team were mock bouchen or and, and the like he corrected a statement to say that in that team there he was called that name but he excluded the name of mock bouchen in the video evidence which is available on youtube if people want to check sj in hearing so you'll find it and paul adams one day when paul adams recounts this part of his written testimony the um advocate i think was using a later version of the testimony and so the advocate asks paul was Mark Batcher one of them and Mark Batcher and, and Paul Adams agrees that it was Mark Batcher in that that started a, a turn of events for Mark in, essentially 
because then that meant that he had to respond to this. And that also brought his employer CSA into because he's a current employer of CSA. The big issue with all of this was Mark Batcher's apology. It wasn't what Paul Adams said. We understand that it was 20 years ago. We understand, we understand a hurt occurred. And we understand that uh, obviously it was a time where South Africa was transitioning into this new democracy, whatever it is. Um, what had happened was Mark Boucher's apology, initial apology in the affidavit that he put was one where he said he's sorry for any offense caused, but he wasn't at a time adequately trained by Cricket South Africa to deal with these things. And it was also part of the team culture. So he just went along with it, which kind of felt to me like it was a conditional um, apology. It was like, I'm sorry, but I'm actually not sorry because everyone else was doing it as well. And also Cricket South Africa. A lot of people took offense to that, including myself, into, of that apology. Cricket South Africa also, in the SJN report, it was written that that apology wasn't sufficient enough. It was unfeeling. It was insensitive. And that's what they said. But the, the, the findings of that SJN report were tentative because there was no mandate, binding mandate, to them to, for them to make definitive findings. So that's where the whole legal battle comes in. Because CSA reading that report, noting that um, apology, um, that the, the statement on the apology being insensitive and unfeeling, felt that an employee of CSA, in that capacity as an employee of CSA, not understanding the racial dynamics of the country, cannot provide an apology of that manner. The only problem was you were going to take him through disciplinary hearing and try and get him through. The other thing was, and this was the, supposed to be the smoking gun, Enoch Conquest's sudden resignation from the team, citing many cultural issues, many leadership issues with him and Mark Boucher. That, I thought, was held a lot more weight than the Paul Adams issue because that one is... You're an, it's an inadequate apology. So Mark has to prove that he's a changed man, he's a different man, and that that apology may, may have been made in error and he actually is not the person that he wants, that he actually has made steps to rectify his actions throughout his time. So that one was easy. The second one, the inner concrete one, I thought in my, I'm not a lawyer, in my small opinion, I thought was a smoking gun because obviously I will have a day-to-day -day job. I kind of know that if there's like issues at workplace with, leadership and people and the way people are treated, those are taken a lot more seriously and can cause Mark to actually be um, dismissed. That needs a witness. That needs somebody to say, yes, I was there. Mark did A, B, C, and D. That witness was Enoch because he had, in his exit interview, had told all of them, he says that all that had happened on tour in, Australia, in West Indies, what was going on, there some things about senior players being allowed to do whatever they wanted. Uh, certain things about the culture, certain things about um, Enoch Kungwe not being treated as an assistant coach. I don't know what an assistant coach does, but Enoch Kungwe said he's not just a he was just a glorified coins boy. He had ideas, they weren't taken seriously, all those things. And that, I think, was the case that CSA should have been trying to push if they wanted to get Mark Boucher out. However, Enoch Kungwe said, actually, I don't want to do this. I don't want to get people fired because it felt like it was a, Paul Adams, Enoch Conquer versus Mark Boucher, rather than CSA versus Mark Boucher. And I think it tarnishes Paul Adams and Enoch Conquer's name. And Paul Adams' one was his, his words were taken out of context. So he felt, published a statement last week saying, this is what I said. I was asked what Mark Boucher. I never actually said Mark Boucher. I just confirmed it was Mark Boucher. So he, CSA loses their main witness in that. And then Enoch Conquer said, 
I told you everything I did. I don't want to be involved in any further disciplinary action. You should take my statement and try work around that. So that also forces CSA's case to fall flat because if there's no witness to the crime, the, the case is fall flat. It doesn't mean he didn't do those things. It doesn't mean that he's still not insensitive. And I think that's something that people need to understand. Even with that apology, right? Someone can know how to apologize properly, but it doesn't mean that they no longer harbor those thoughts. Um, and I, I use the example of someone may be called racist and they may say, no, but I've got friends who are black. <laughs> it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that just because it just may mean that you may like those people who are black, who are your friends, but you may hate every other black person. We can never, and that's why the whole racism thing and everything else, it clouds the waters because it's a high bar to cross to prove that someone's racist which is why the Graham Smith thing also for racism fell flat because all they said was, no, but Graham worked under Polisi Maseki. He's worked under so-and-so. His contract was negotiated by, by Tabang Moroy. So these things don't mean, but it, it doesn't say, it doesn't prove that deep down in Graham Smith's part that he's a racist or he's not. And we'll never know that. Nobody will ever know that. We'll just take the benefit of the doubt from the court decision to say, oh, yes, he is. And that's why these things are so hard to litigate in a country like South Africa, all around the world. And so it's, it's so I knew that that case wasn't going to be, or the case against Mark Bacher wasn't going to, I would have loved for it to go through so we could hear everything and then we could make the judge. The thing that I think Mark Bacher's camp didn't want is for that to be brought out into the public discourse because the court of public opinion is a lot harsher than the arbitrator there. The arbitrator may find him not guilty, but a, a lot of damage could have been done. So it's a massive win for Mark who's showing us that his fighting spirit is going to continue to be coach, but it's a massive L for massive loss for CSA who in their defense, if witnesses pull out, there's nothing else you can do. They were just following process because if they hadn't done anything to Mark or Graham or any instituted, any proceedings, it would have mm -hmm. been, they would have been taken apart in the court of public opinion. So they had to be seen to be doing something. And even if they were going to be found not guilty, they had to go through with that whole process. And with Graham, they did. It's just obviously with Mark, it got stopped at the 11th hour. And I think for Mark, it helps him more than actually cricket South Africa. Look, uh, did the way it went uh, with Graham have any impact? I think yes. Because uh, they had to make their case a bit more watertight. Otherwise, it was just going to fall flat. It would be a waste of everybody's time, they mm. felt probably. Hence, they pulled the plug. But look, Many of uh, these things, probably the initiation of the charges, the setting it up is already doing the work of what it probably it's, as you say, it's already out there in the public uh, mm. where people are already talking about it. Whether the individual transforms or not is really going to fall down to him. It's going to come down to that individual. And he can always claim I came up in a culture or I was brought up in a culture mm. where uh, some things being said to some people of color of certain things based on their skin color and so on was okay. But where is your decency as an individual? So there is a team culture, which can be a sometimes a bit abrasive. Look, uh, team cultures have sometimes done things or have led to doing things like the Australian sandpaper uh, gate, right? That was basically put down to team culture and they tried to overhaul the team culture and try to change the mentality with which the team played and so on. But we all come up with a way we have lived and we have learned what is right and wrong. For me, that is the bigger issue that you thought in the first place 20 years ago to call somebody something, right? 
uh, we all are evolving from time to time and i am a more evolved man i am, am now than i was 20 years ago so i can today apologize unreservedly for some of the things that have come out mm. of my mouth 20 years ago because now i know it's different but there are some things some lines which i would think i would not cross no matter what but again look it's it's, it's a very tough equation whether making it stick or not is one thing but already having begun these proceedings i would have encouraged or if i were in a position of making a decision in south africa i would have just gone through with it simply it's about also raising awareness and you cannot call somebody something and get away with it eventually mm. because there is no case against you mm. it's okay that we try and prosecute or it's okay that we try and bring a hearing where it's almost like you can be given a suspended sentence but i do understand they come under a bit of uh, scrutiny themselves because they have hired and employed such a person right so it's it's all a bit complicated but nonetheless i would like to see what is the next step here so is what is happening enough as you said there are some franchises which have not treated players well there are coaches who have not treated players well there are teammates who have been calling people stuff so the question is all of these stories we heard was from a slightly different era 15 20 years ago what about now are we still hearing stories of people behaving inappropriately or taking inappropriate liberties with people uh, now these days well I, i i haven't heard it but i wouldn't be surprised that it does happen and to a certain extent and i'm speaking out of pocket here i'm not saying this is fact or true but that is something that i wanted to hear from enoch's perspective because when you looked at the way south africa handled the black lives matter situation it kind of gave you a situation uh, an inclination of a team that's divided of white players who want to do one thing black players who want to do another thing and there's a lot there could have been a potential that hurts could have happened something could have happened and so that was my my big worry and this is when when hiring mark boucher was i don't want that culture from 10 15 years ago that was exclusionary mm. to continue and when we looked at the way they handled the black lives matter thing i kind of felt like wait hold up so we're just a divided team so that starts the whole exclusionary question again we may not find out now we may have to have an sj in 10 years time and they'll say remember that time when we were in in the uae at the world cup this is actually what I, what actually happened but all the thing that happened in the uae gives an inclination that something may not have been right in the team yes the, there's a said the fun part of interesting thing about this is that they're winning games so you can assume that there's team cohesion but they may not be mm. but and enoch enoch's suggestions and enoch's information that he put out told us of a team that's so totally different that a team that was divided a team that was excluding others a team that wasn't necessarily watched what that was reminiscent of maybe the teams that Mark Bacher played under right that forced Macantini to not even want to be in the team bus and to run to the to to the stadium from the stadium to the hotel or stadium or or the other way around because he didn't want to feel all the all the all the all the othering that he was experiencing inside that team bus i hope that's not the case now okay. and so mm-hmm. and and to a certain extent that's why i would have thought uh, having a having a person in, in the discussion and this is where i think maybe graham and 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 this is why i would have loved graham to be in the sjm because the idea of picking an enoch gray over mark boucher is one where you are trying to move it's a culture move right it's not mm-hmm. a tactical move spoke about Brendan McCullum that's a tactical move and to certain extent a culture move because you want someone to create a culture that's a 
that's providing an aggressive brand of cricket. Bringing an Enoch and Quay into the system was had had its own cricketing reasons, and I think Enoch's a very aggressive cricketing coach. But it would have been a culture move to be more inclusive of a of a group of people, a race of people that have been excluded in the game, that are still excluded in the game because cricket's played in wide areas. Cricket's played in country, country clubs, white country clubs, with all these rules that are anti-black. And so right. it's, a, it's, 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 it's black bodies coming into white space. So why not have an, a comforting body inside there that can break the barrier and, and close out that? And I think with the Black Lives Matter issue, they missed that completely because not saying they should have hired Enoch, but they should have tried to be more accommodating towards their black brothers because I'm for the lowest common denominator principle. If someone is hurt and mm-hmm. I'm hurt as well, I go to the one who's hurt the most, right? I, I, you have to put aside your differences and say, he's hurting more than me. So there's nothing I gain from not wanting to kneel. Whereas if I kneel, it sends a much bigger message to everybody else about it. So it's things like that. Right. But that's where, mm-hmm. I'm, that's where I'm at with all of this. Well, I think we are not at the end of uh, where we need to be. If I was a South African, I'm not happy with the outcome. I'll be blunt about it. But I understand not all the outcome that I want could be achieved here and now mm. because the system itself is working in a certain way. And I might not be able to simply circumvent the system based on my own choices. right? So I understand that. And uh, for now, I'm going to accept it. But I really hope in the coming days, again, that it will be slightly different and uh, people are able to hold themselves accountable from what has happened here. People themselves feel, yeah, it, it does. It's not right. So, and they try and uh, get it working. Right? Mm. So I wish uh, all South Africans a good luck when it comes to these sort of issues. I know there are plenty and uh, because you're on my podcast, I'm just wishing you, uh, but yeah, this is, this is not going to happen. This sort of change. Look, I'm, I'm Indian. Mm. And I understand what it can mean if there is a strata in the society that's visible and invisible. So it's I can at least have an idea where this is coming from, right? And uh, as I said, I really hope it comes good. And people are not required to think anymore about uh, these things, but it becomes a part of normal li- livelihood, mm. right? Now, I think we've spoken a lot of serious things. We should end our podcast on a slightly... You know, mm-hmm. Uh, frivolous manner if anything I'm going to ask you about a certain uh, well Indian former Indian cricketer Ambati Raidu <laughs> he tweeted a retirement from IPL and then pulled it back par for the course for you or something that surprised you at all look uh, obviously we've we've, we've 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 heard Ambati Raidu not being making the World Cup in 2019 and everything else um, and he's he's played for India he hasn't played he's played well in the IPL he hasn't done well he's been that guy who's just never good enough. So, you know, my thing is, if you want to retire, fine, do it and, and stick with it. But if you want to come back, it's just going to make the next time you say you want to do something um, not believable. But it was, a, I chuckled a little bit. Um, I kind of know maybe it was probably money related because I think this is the most lucrative IPO we've seen in years. So, you know, why not just ride it out like all the other older Indian players and, and, and go through. But, yeah, look, he's, he's had a frivolous relationship with us in social media. So, yeah, it, it was like, oh, okay, we've seen this one before. Um, but, yeah, it was a little bit funny. I was like, oh, okay, what, what made you change? Well, look, I agree with you that it was, again, very interesting. 
because uh, this guy has sometimes uh, he has a foot in the mouth disease sometimes <laughs> and i really hope uh, there is some learning here for him that he doesn't do this very often because you don't want to simply make it tough for yourself uh, i dare say if he had not committed out a certain 3d tweet right uh, he may have been the guy who may have played uh, for india when there was a room that uh, a new uh, player need to be sent in terms of uh, replacements mm. so uh, i think it it may have left a little bit uh, to be desired unfortunately but okay i think we have come to the end of all the things we wanted to discuss so thanks a lot for uh, choosing to participate with us i hope to have you as a guest again in upcoming weeks and months let's see when that works but would you like to let us know how our listeners can reach out to you for so our listeners can reach out to me at uh, on my twitter page i'm also on instagram on the same handle it's mpomoreki m p h o m o r e k i um on twitter um obviously i work for one world sports radio so you can reach out to us at one world sr one w o r l d s r o guerrilla cricket sa which is guerrilla sa g u e r i l l a essay um you'll find us there um we're always available or you can listen to us at onewsr.com when south africa play india in the next coming months or when we play england as well um but yeah so that's that's where you can find me on on different channels thank you very much for it was a pleasure talking to you and you know having a new perspective on the sgn hearings So uh, I also wish you all the best in your upcoming uh, social media and outside endeavors. Yes, thank you very much. I wish all our listeners a good day wherever they may be listening from. Bye bye. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. <laughs>